Hello! Welcome to Choose Wisely. This is the podcast where we deconstruct food and sustainability topics with nuance and primary sources. Here we believe there are lots of right ways to eat well and be sustainable, and that we can't change a food system we don't truly understand. I'm your host, Caroline Nelson, and I practically started this podcast to have my friend Lacey Jean on. Lacey Jean is a hide tanner, a butcher, a shepherdess, and a woman who has built a beautiful, rich life out of the ashes of very hard times. She's on the podcast to talk about food and how she nourishes herself directly from her community in this beautiful, beautiful way. Um, she has a line in this interview that really floored me, which is, you know, she talks about eating locally and eating eating regionally, and she says, it just makes sense to me that the plants and animals that thrive where I live would also contain the nutrients for me to thrive here. So she's here to talk about food, but with all great conversations, we range far and wide. We talk about resilience, reinvention, taking the life of an animal, and how to respectfully approach mentors that you'd like to learn from. We also cover personal health, navigating the medical system, how to earn your own self-respect, and how to chase dreams, even and especially when no one else is coming to help you. Lacey lives in the Pacific Northwest in a geodome that she assembled and built herself, and she's built onto it in the neatest way. She shared the whole process online. I've linked her Instagram in the show notes so you can go and scroll back and see the journey. And the whole thing has been just wildly inspiring because As we talk about on this podcast, she didn't know all the skills that she needed when she started the project. She developed each new skill in real time. Each building step she had to figure out along the way, and it was really hard. I mean, blood, sweat, and tears. And she talks about her options. Her options really were figure it out and build the house of her dreams, and in doing so, kind of the life of her dreams along the way, or give up and live in a way that felt a lot safer, a lot more comfortable, and that didn't feel as good. Our friendship came out of pure luck, although she and I are both kind of, we would probably say, no, it didn't. We were meant to find each other in this lifetime, and I completely, that's how I actually feel. So let me say that. Our friendship came out of fate and gut instinct on both of our parts. I was putting together the first of my shepherd camps, which is when women come out to our farm and learn how to care for our sheep flock during lambing season. It's a very gritty, very hands-on retreat. It's one of the coolest things um, we do. And I was looking for a co-leader, a co-facilitator. I knew that, you know, three, four days holding space, doing a lot of teaching, I I needed someone to facilitate with me. And it's like an impossible job to fill. Um, This person has to have the practical know-how about sheep and lambing, but even more importantly, they need to be able to hold and ground space in a group. They've got to be kind of unflappable and kind of willing to meet people wherever they are, whatever they're showing up to these events with. I've been following Lacey on Instagram for a while, but I had never really chatted with her. We, We certainly weren't even internet friends at that point, but I just couldn't get her out of my head. So I pitched, (laughs) would she drive out to Montana, come to our farm sight unseen, live with me and my husband for two weeks, and help run these camps? And she said yes. And that has kicked off the most magical friendship and really like partnership. Justin and I call her my sister wife and we always joke that she and I have more portraits together than he and I have. I mean, if you walked around my house, you'd think I was married to Lacey and I'd be honored. (laughs) I've lost track, I think, of how many camps we've actually run together, but I would say 12-ish at that point and more coming up. And just over the years of being her friend, my respect for her has grown and grown and grown in so many ways. It's her grit and her ethos and how she blazes her own trail, and also how she takes care of herself and how she lavishes in life and in food and in adventure and experience, the way she's constantly learning and working on herself. She's been a real 
guidepost for me navigating this next phase of my life, being pregnant and thinking about, you know, my identity changing. And I'm, I'm, I've been really looking to her as someone who has been able to forge a beautiful, expansive definition of motherhood. So we broke this conversation into two episodes because I just could not let her go. And I think in particular, this is very fitting for the Thanksgiving season and going into the holidays in general. Lacey defines herself in this interview as a gratitarian, and I thought that was just so perfect. So before we get into our conversation, I want to quickly mention our new regenerators over on the Patreon and to say thank you to Macy, Lisa, and Tierney. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you'd like to become a regenerator, you can find us in the show notes. And a final note before we get started, this pair of episodes is our last of season one. I can't believe it. We are going to take a cue from the outside world and enjoy this season of hibernation. Going to take a little break from posting new episodes, but don't worry, we'll be back before long with season two. And we've got some incredible guests lined up. I'm feeling nervous and excited for the future of the podcast and, and everything to come. Without further ado, here is Lacey Jean. Choose Wisely is brought to you by Little Creek Lamb and Beef, which happens to be our small business. My husband, Justin, and I raise dry-aged beef in grass-fed land, and we ship it all over the country from our ranch to your doorstep. We just launched our holiday shop, and it's full of festive beef bundles for everyone on your list, from the steak lovers to the grillers to the busy families. Simply choose your holiday bundle, select your shipping date at checkout, leave a gift note, and we'll take it from there. These bundles are perfect for family, friends, employees, co-workers, and anyone you want to wow or send a little love to. Visit littlecreekmontana.com to shop and use code WISELY, W-I-S-E-L-Y, in all caps, that's code WISELY, for 10% off your first order. Lacey Jean! Hello, friend. (laughs) Lacey Jean day today. I've been like trying to honor you so far with my morning. I woke up and did primal movement because <laughs> tell me about saw, that. What is that? Well, I was scrolling through your Instagram um, last night and I saw you on this two by four doing mm-hmm. this agility, like, like um, oh yeah, yes, crouch mm-hmm. crawl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. I know I can't do that. And was <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think I probably should do that. So I did one this morning and it was incredible and extremely humbling, like embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And also felt like a little bit of a missing piece for me because I've been doing yoga and it's, it's like bendy, stretchy Mm -hmm. lot, you know, you're like moving pose to pose to pose. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm also making, um, like beef shank bone broth. So these are all lacy things. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, would you, would you kick off by just telling us how you define your work and how you spend your days. Sure. I was thinking about that question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind is uh, my work revolves around sheep. I celebrate what sheep are, not just in um, terms of the products and the things that we gain from them, but for um, what they mean to me ancestrally. Sheep have been a part of my family uh, for as far back as you can go on both sides. Um, both my parents uh, have family from Norway and they raised sheep out there. And when they came over to America, um, they moved to Montana, a similar region where you live. Uh, they started out raising sheep and moved into cattle. Um, but the is something really clicked for me when I first came across Icelandic sheep uh, about 12, maybe 12, 15 years ago. And I realized that I was just very drawn to them. And I was very inspired by the fact that they combine two of my very favorite things, which which is functionality and beauty. Like they're just, mm-hmm. especially Icelandic and primitive sheep, there's just something very beautiful and raw and regal and wild and feral about them. And they also 
are incredibly efficient animals. They create so much with so little and they're very, they're, they're kind of a humble animal. Um, and so I feel very inspired by that and very drawn to it. And I realized that it felt very good to focus on one thing. I am a person that enjoys chasing after many inspirations and ideas and dreams and endeavors. And I decided at one point that I was just going to be very good at everything involving sheep. I was going to learn mm-hmm. how to care for them and be good stewards. I was going to learn about their anatomy and biology. Um, I was going to learn about the, the wool and the fleece and the products you can make with that and how to shear. I was going to learn how to process and butcher them and utilize the whole animal to the best of my abilities, the milk, and then to um, tan the hides clean the skulls, make jewelry out of the horns. Like Mm -hmm. there's just so much that can be done with them. Um, And out of that work has come community and friendships like yours and mine. Um, So it's, it encompasses my whole life. My whole life is basically sheep. Um, So that is sort of my work. And throughout the year, I follow the seasons. So in the spring, like this coming spring, I'll be out at your place helping with lambing. Uh, and then from there I go into my, um, like hide tanning clinics and the camps that I participate in with you and, um, the workshops that I run in other locations. And then I move into, uh, slaughter and butchery work at this time of year. Um, and that feels very good to me as somebody that needs variation and, um, I I, uh, I can get a little bit bored with redundancy. So this, this mm-hmm. scratches all the itches for me. You have tenaciously built yourself a beautiful life. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, we've done so many camps together now. And I will sometimes joke, like if someone asks, oh, like, do you know Lacey? Or, you know, they'll ask me about you. I'm like, yeah, people go feral for you. Like people <laughs> lose their minds oh, when they... Yeah get to know you. And there's something, I think there's something that radiates off you that is very clear to people who are looking for it, which is like, I'm in the presence of somebody who has fought hard for what they have. And they are living a life in, in alignment with, with their values in a way that I think most of us are not, you know, we're not able to kind of get there. Um, can you share what, um, yeah, what like the rhythm of your day is? And I think everybody would be so curious about where you live and mm. how you've built it. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Currently, in terms of where I reside, I live in the Columbia River Gorge, which is east of Portland. Um, I'm on the Washington side, but I can wave at Oregon. I'm right on the river out here. Um, I live on a shared property with some um, other folks that invited me out here a few years ago. Um, actually, it's been three years almost exactly. Uh, and it was a situation that I, I was skeptical about at first. But again, leaning into that intuition side, I showed up and observed the property and spent a little bit of time in their company. And I was like, this is right. I don't 100% know how I would explain that to somebody, but it's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to trust that. I didn't have a whole lot of options at the time I was living in a canvas tent uh, mm-hmm. in a meadow with my sheep flock and my two teenage sons and winter was coming and I knew I needed to make a change. I didn't want to make a change out of scarcity or like a rushed feeling. Um, and I had a couple of options and one felt like a what would be deemed as like the secure option, which was a mm-hmm. studio apartment in town. Um, but like my soul died when I stood in, in that building. And I was like, I, I can't, I can't thrive here. I realized I was going to have to make an exchange. I was going to have to exchange immediate security for a little bit of a risk, but my intuition and my knowing knew that this was a place that I could thrive and really tap into more of my potential and um, what I needed to make life uh, abundant. So I landed out here and 
Uh, I've lived in an Airstream trailer for a short time. And then I lived in some neighbor's houses that were like a vacation rental. And then I was house sitting. And then my landmates offered and said, you know, why don't you put down something a little bit more permanent? So I built a deck overlooking the river and I put up a geodome, which is a kit, sort of like a yurt. So my days currently between homeschooling my two teenage sons that I have part-time and then doing my work with sheep looks like building, building this Mm -hmm. house into what I want. And it very much feels like my 12-year-old self building a fort and going like, what do I want? (gasps) You know, (laughs) it's so fun. And also you feel a little bit like the possibilities are endless. And so it can feel daunting at times because it's like, Mm -hmm. I, I create what I want, but I also have to have the vision and then the follow through. Um, And that's new for me to be all parts, to be the Mm -hmm. the visionary, to be the provider of the, um, the resources and the financial side of it. And then also be the person that to puts it into fruition and learning how to overcome that hurdle of, and this is probably way more than you were asking for in that question. Let's go. Going on this train. (laughs) So (laughs) down this rabbit hole to overcome. And you can see this, especially as a mother, I see this a lot in my kids where they're the fear of like, maybe I'm not going to do this well. And so you just don't, you don't Mm want to try because you don't want to fail. I am learning more so than I probably ever would have or have previously how to overcome that obstacle of like, what if I don't do it well? Mm -hmm. Um, But I often have to ask myself, if not me, who, who's going to do this for me? I, I create my life now. Mm -hmm. So I better just lean in and give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, try something different. Like those, my option is to have nothing or to try. Um, So I've learned a lot. (laughs) I I think when people meet you, they might assume, because here you are this handy, capable person who's done all these things. You've built your own home. You're a butcher. You're a hide tanner. You are basically a botanist. I mean, you, and you just have a real depth of knowledge in so many areas And they may, I think, and I've heard people say like, well, that sounds great. I mean, I could never do that. Um, And I think there's kind of an assumption behind that, that you are somehow fundamentally different than other people. And that maybe you've always, like you grew up in the woods and and then maybe, I think in some ways you did, but also I really, knowing your story, you've had like a rebirth of Lacey Jean and it actually has been in like relatively recently. So I'd love to dig into that a little bit. And mm-hmm. and you are so amazing at sharing on social media um, the reality that that all the, the beautiful way that you live your life, everything is a trade-off, everything is a choice, nothing has come easy. And so you'll be like putting up siding with a nail gun and you're like, yeah, I cried last night because I don't know how to do this. And it was really hard. And I don't want to. And I don't have enough lumber yet. And um, but no one is coming to put this siding up for me. And I think it's going to look cool. And like I had to make a decision about like what I am going to do in that moment. I want to just start by so I decided to frame this episode in terms of your Instagram captions because you're such a beautiful writer and have shared so beautifully with all of us who follow and stalk you from afar. And so this this post really gets at this for me. He said, you are not stuck. Just because that's what you've been doing doesn't mean that's what you have to do. Four years ago, life imploded for me. A proverbial wildfire ripped through my world, and I watched as everything I thought was certain burned to the ground. There was a point where I had to stop throwing buckets of water and accept it. Four years later, the meadow and beauty that has grown out of that inferno is more than I could have hoped for. My last name literally meaning meadow or thicket. I am living out dreams I hadn't dared to dream. Can you tell us about like going from the inferno to the meadow? And I think in some ways, I feel like that's still something that you make a daily choice to do. 
um, <laughs> softball like, to start it off. Like here, yeah. <laughs> you know, I I love I love the the meaty the meaty stuff. It's good. Um, I feel like we've bonded a little bit over some of the shared uh, struggles in our backgrounds and how struggle often begets and birds tenacity and Mm -hmm. you know dreams often come from a place of lack or like feeling like there's something missing fire is an element I've always been very drawn to and very it feels very kindred to me um and so when I was going through uh I went through a um, a separation and a divorce after being married for um you know my entire adult adult life I got married when I was 20 And I sought a lot of security in that. I put a lot of my identity outside of myself and in the hands of others and in the picture that I felt like I was portraying and being able to say, I have, I've checked these boxes. Therefore, I have a path. I am secure. I am a um, functional adult because I've chosen to do these certain things in my life. And when that burned down when all of that went away and I was left with just myself standing it felt very much like I don't know if you've ever been on like a house site that's burned and usually all that's left is like the fireplace like just the stone fireplace is left standing there and I felt like just a lonely fireplace and there was a point where I got extremely sick during that time extremely sick um I've never been that sick in my life I didn't get out of bed for 10 days. I lost like 30 pounds in a very short amount of time. My mom at one point asked if she was like, I think you need to go to the hospital. And it was that moment that I realized like, I need to make a choice. I need to make a choice to like start building that fire in myself again, or allow myself to crumble. And it was this very slow process of like building the smallest little fire in my heart. You know, it's like, okay, let's just start with like, just some embers. Let's just see if we can get something going here. And it was a, well, obviously it's very emotional because I'm just, (laughs) I'm, I'm there again, remembering that feeling that that first time I chose to like rebuild this little fire in myself. And also I decided I was going to get better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I know that Mm -hmm. you can understand that. Like there are times where, you know, you, um, you can tap into a depth of um, strength where you're like, nope, I'm getting better. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to wither away. So I decided mm-hmm. I was going to get better. I started very slowly, like forcing myself to start moving again, started working out again. And then I, I decided like, what do I want? And why can't I, why can't I have that? Mm-hmm. Um I thought of all the people that have had to rebuild from nothing. I thought of my ancestors that have had to rebuild from nothing. I thought of the countless amount of stories that I've heard of people that have been stripped bare of everything, whether it's through death or divorce or an actual home burning down or having to leave their homeland. Um, And I decided I am just as capable as any of those people to do that. And that became sort of my mantra is like, why not me? Why can't I? And then you, from there, when you decide like I can, then you go, okay, what are the, what's the process? What do I have to do in order to accomplish this thing that I need? But I also have learned how to check back in with myself and decide like, why do I need this thing? Why do mm-hmm. I want this thing? Is this truly something that um, feels like my heart path or is this, is this a crutch? Is this mm-hmm. an ego thing? Like, is it, what is my reason for this? So it's also been a, um, a great lesson in learning how to let go. So my sheep flock is a good example. I, I ha- took my sheep flock to this meadow, moved into a canvas tent as I was trying to figure out what my next steps were. And at a certain point, I realized holding on to the sheep it was a matter of like ego of like, these are mine. I need Mm -hmm. to have them. I need to be the owner of my own flock. But I recognize that truly what I needed 
was just to be involved. I needed to, I needed the community of people that revolve around this work. I needed to be involved with the work. Therefore, I was, I could allow myself to let go of that sheep flock for the time. And maybe I'll get those sheep again someday. I don't know. But for now, I have these beautiful opportunities to work with you and work with all of these people in my area that um, have sheep and need a support. And that's been a really a beautiful position for me to to allow myself, yeah, just to try something mm-hmm. different. You serve this really cool role in the greater sheep community that you're part of. And for the audience who may not know, there's a lot of small flocks out there that they have sheep that maybe they want to butcher, maybe they're lambs, or maybe they have some older ewes or mm-hmm. um, rams, sheep that have have had a great life, served them well in the flock, but that don't really have value in terms of selling the meat um, to customers mm-hmm. as, as readily. Mm-hmm. And the, the client wants to care for the flock. And you and I have talked a lot about this, about how culling the flock, meaning sort of selling animals, butchering animals as needed, is a very important part of, of flock health. And so they there mm-hmm. are shepherds that recognize that, but they maybe don't have the skills themselves to butcher. This is like, like me. And they don't want to send these animals to sale or market and, and end up at a feedlot or who knows where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. And so they're able to call you who can come in and so lovingly and carefully, respectfully dispatch an animal, break down um, the carcass, and then use all the parts. Um, and that, that's really a, a missing piece in our food yeah, system. And yeah, mm-hmm. you're such a, a huge part of, of building that back. I just wanted to give people that context. But I have I have another question for you, which is that yeah. I wondered if you would tell us the story of the dog sledding. Because if I have the timeline right, I mean, is this is this is like pretty close to post inferno and maybe one of the early leaps that you took. So the timeline is that I went on the dog sledding adventure and I'll dive into that a little bit more in a minute in 2015. And that really was a seed that was planted that I was able to lean into when my life sort Mm. of imploded, Um, which I'm really grateful for the way those events transpired because it gave me this remembrance. I was able to look back and go like, I did this thing. Um, I know I have it in me to do something else that's kind of scary and risky. Um, so the, (laughs) it's just, it's such a wild story. And every time I tell it, I feel like I'm telling somebody else's story because it feels (laughs) so weird and surreal. Um, So essentially what happened is one, so 2015 is almost, almost nine years ago now. It would have been nine years ago because it was in the winter of 2014, Mm -hmm. almost this exact, it is this exact time (gasps) period because they're running the contest right now. Um, So anyway, nine years ago, my sons were quite a bit younger at the time. I was at home a lot. Circumstances were such that I was just home. And so I decided I was really going to get into this whole bushcraft, like primitive skill situation. I was very intrigued by all of that. And of course, when you get excited about something, you want the gear. (laughs) So I was like looking up the gear and I wanted this neat um, anorak jacket uh, that I had my head just fixated on. And, um, I came across one that I was really excited about. And then I saw the price and like gagged and <laughs> just cause it was out of, you know, not that it wasn't worth it. It just wasn't feasible at the time. And in the corner of the website was a little, uh, advertisement to join a contest to win a dog sledding trip across Scandinavia. And something went off in my head, like, <laughs> fireworks. And I was like, I am going to do this. Like there's, I don't know what it's going to take, but I'm going to do this. So I followed the link and it was like, you have to post a video and the videos and the contest had already been running for a full week. But I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to, I'm going to throw all of my cards into this and figure out how to do this. Called a friend next day. He was out. He videoed me. 
And then I started posting it all over the internet. And the way you win is you have to get the most votes for your country. And they pick one person per country, like major country. And then the judges also vote in one person um, per country. And um, I found a website that I could post like a story. And I posted this story about knitting a giant blanket with PVC pipes. Um, and it was, it was so random and I was just trying to think of something to catch people's attention. And I posted these ridiculous pictures that went with it. And at the bottom, I was like, please help me get to this next like wild, crazy harebrained adventure. And people like flooded to the website and like broke the, the website shut down because so many people went to go vote for me. And like oh the, the company, Fial Raven contacted me and they were like, what are you doing? Are you cheating? I was like, ah, sir. I don't even know how technology works. I don't know how to cheat. Like if I could, I might, but I can't. And so anyway, I won for the U S and went over there. They flew me over there and it was a 300 kilometer dog sledding adventure across the Arctic tundra. Like you literally show up. We had this amazing dinner at this resort. And the next day they're like, here are your dogs. Get on the sled. Let's go. We got stuck in a blizzard that day. Um, and there were definitely moments where I was like, I was the only one there with like young children. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was either younger than me and single and had no children or they were much older and had like adult children. Um, and I, I many times was like, is this dumb? Am I dumb? <laughs> like, am I, is this the stupidest thing I've ever done? Like, I'm going to die out here in Scandinavia and my children are not going to have a mother. Um, and they're going to have to explain that. Uh, but I got through it and it was, it was a stretching experience and something that when I got home, I realized like, a, it's important for my sons to see that their mother is a individual with dreams and goals and aspirations. Mm -hmm. And, that my life does not revolve around their comfort and care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They need to be, there's security in that for children, for them to know that their mother's happiness and role in the world is not completely based around her children. So I came home and realized, A, that's very good for them to see me stretching my wings and doing some things. And B, it was just really good for me to recognize that I had identity, um, not just in things that I do, but in my own strengths and um, aspirations and desires. And it was just a very enlightening opportunity for me. And so when I did go through that very difficult, I call it, you know, the dark, what do they call it? Your dark, dark night of the soul situation. Um, I was able to look back and go like, okay, I can get through this blizzard, through this, this mm-hmm. shit storm, fire, yeah, yeah. whatever wildfire it is. And to this day, I have, it's, I don't have very many pictures up in my house of like myself or my kids or anything. It's like all wild animals, but I just have one picture of myself on that dog sledding adventure next to my bed, because I like to look at it sometimes and remember like this fierceness and this adventurous side of myself and apply that to my daily life. Like, why not me? We were talking just before we started recording about how earning your own self-respect and self-trust, that's been really important to me. And so Mm -hmm. when I, I often will hear people like, well, how do you grow your self-esteem and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of this I think is inner work, but for me, a huge part of loving myself and trusting myself and respecting myself has actually been earned. And I wonder if that resonates with you. Like Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I'm like having this mental block around tiling our bathroom and we're doing this renovation. I have used the tile saw. I have tiled before (laughs) and I can tell like how you're nodding. You know that like for whatever fucking reason, we just get scared of doing stuff. And our comfort zones are so comforting. And every time we step outside, it's like a new day of deciding to step outside. So I'm having this weird reaction Mm -hmm. around it where I'm just avoiding it and doing other stuff instead. And I had to, I was like, Caroline, you, in your first trimester of pregnancy alone, you like dragged a mule around on a pack trip 
you know, yes. like 95 degree, so you rode like 10 hours, like you ran events, you rode horses in the high country, mm-hmm. like you're fucking tough. Mm-hmm. You are, you already know you can do this. Like, why are we pretending that you can't? Like, you, <laughs> what are, you know, and like, I have, it's not that I'm like, have never done anything hard. And so I feel like mm-hmm. pushing ourselves, can, like, I'm trying to just be able to connect back with those versions of myself because I'm also the soft person that's reading a book and, and drinking tea and taking a leisurely yeah. walk. Like, I'm all the different versions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Isn't I, that there's a like delicious that, thing. Like you oh. can be anything. You can be all the things. Like don't try to fit into any box. Like sometimes mm-hmm. we can get so stuck in this. Like we we want things to be easily labeled. It makes it easier to like understand people and ourselves. Like to be like, oh, they're this type of person. And when we can be mm-hmm. fluid, and yeah. that can shift from day to day, and we can be something for a while and then not be it again and there's so much freedom in that it makes me think so like your life I think is one that like it's gritty and yet also you take such beautiful care of yourself Hmm. what are you well thanks I try really hard (laughs) I I feel like I like myself (laughs) I I get a lot of inspiration from you actually and just like I just need to quickly like turn things around for a minute and just let you know that a huge part of my health currently is in these friendships that I've cultivated Mm. that I admire and I'm motivated by you and um, watching you fiercely pursue the life you know is possible gives me permission, not that I need permission, but it like is a, um, it's, it's just a nod of like, yeah, yeah, it can be done mm-hmm. and others are doing it too. Um, so I think that that's been a very important aspect recently to cultivate friendships with people that um, are fierce and you're like yeah. top tier fierce. Thank so, you. Thank you. I, <laughs> my gosh, that's how I feel about you. And I, you're like the person that I will like reality test against. Like I'm having this thought about pregnancy can't, just yes or no, am I nuts? <laughs> it's been so nice um, for you to like, like to to have such a non fear based, non um, like sick until proven innocent based um, approach to being pregnant, and also how I want to carve out like the new the new chapter that's in front of me. Um, but I want to pivot back to what good care you take of yourself. And I want to talk about food for a minute because anybody that has cooked with you, it's like a lavish experience. So first of all, you travel like with a gourmet, gourmet ingredients (laughs) with you at all times. Like, so Lacey shows up at your house and she's like, I brought this artisanal jam, um, and some raw goat's milk that I will churn. Like, (laughs) And then begins like we'll we'll construct. (laughs) You're like a simple breakfast for you. Like now, I I feel like I eat Lacey Jean breakfasts now, and they're this like decadent, like the most beautiful runny eggs with like ghee and sour Mm -hmm. cream and like a bed of greens. And I just lavish myself in breakfast in a way that I hope makes me proud. Um, I'm going to read something that you wrote about food that I love so much. If it seems like I eat the same thing on repeat, it's because I do. Meat and kraut, some fruit, raw goat milk products, eggs, potatoes, squash, beets, arugula. For the most part, I don't pay money for them. They're trades or grown on site at my neighbor's. I don't buy meat, eggs, milk, or really any veggies. Just spices, coffee, dry goods, the occasional bottle of wine. Sometimes people ask me how to start a business like mine, and it's complicated. A lot of my pay is in trade for the food and the freedom. Like Coulter Wall sings, I'm lonesome but happy, rich but I'm broke. And in the same song, he says he'll switch from steak to beans, which I will not be doing. (laughs) This is my favorite. You say, it'll be steak for me or I'll be finding a different line of work. So just talk to us about like your mindset around nourishment and... To me, I think too, you have, you have kind of the caloric nourishment and you have community nourishment in a way that's so beautiful. This came up this weekend. I taught a 
um, workshop with women for sheep processing and butchery. And a gal asked me, she was like, what did you do before this? And I said, um, I was a personal trainer for a little while. And then I made body products, um, like lotions and hair care and whatever soap. Um, and I knit things and she's like, that's so interesting. Like your whole line of work has been about the body. It's you were focused on the outer body and like musculoskeletal, muscular skeletal um, work. And then you went to what you put on the body and now you're like in the body yes, <laughs> in yes. other animals' bodies, but you're like in the body and like anatomy and like the food and how it nourishes the body. And I had not thought about that perspective before. Um, and I think I just really like things that are, it's important to me to surround and create a life that's very holistic like it has to um touch on mind body and soul everything is mind body and soul um and food is that i recently and i know we've talked a lot about this about joy and gratitude being the um approach so i've mm-hmm. just become a gratitarian if that's, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, if that's not a term i'm coining it it's um, so good it's so a and you you talked about this recently like you had a story post where you were like intuitive eating like I now give myself the things that I want but it also makes things I don't want not taste very good yeah and it's so true it's like when I eat the things I want and it's not just like I'm just gonna you know spoil myself in all of the sweets and garbage food it's like the things that I want to make myself feel good And when you start to make that correlation of like, this food makes me feel good and I like to eat it and I like to make it. And, you know, I liked the process of even bringing it to my house, like Mm. the trades and the community that were cultivated around this food. It's all encompassing. It's very holistic. And once it's on my plate, like the gratitude is overwhelming. Like it's its own aura and aroma, like is Uh steaming from the plate of like, I am just so freaking thankful for this food, it's beautiful. Um, yeah. So that translates into how it tastes to me. And once I've found foods that I love and I feel really good about and I sleep well and I operate well, like my body just feels strong and like I have um, uh, I have lasting energy through the day, those are just the foods I focus on. Like I don't know why I need to add in this whole like wild repertoire of different recipes. Like Yesterday, I ate a burger with an egg on it and kraut for breakfast and lunch. And then I had more burger for dinner because that's what I wanted. That's what mm-hmm. felt really mm-hmm. good. Um, it's what I was craving. As I was eating it, I felt like my body couldn't get enough of it. And so I was like, well, I'm going to make it again. And yes. then I'm going to make it again. And then for breakfast yep. this morning, it was like what was left over. I'm going to just add a runny egg on top and call it good. And it feels good. If to you're making me think for people. <laughs> it's like yeah. we've been like lobotomized in our food system mm. where um, in so many ways, but like maybe <laughs> lobotomized is not the word. The word that I'm looking for is like hoodwinked. Yes, <laughs> like a hundred percent. We need to have like acai berries and there's like a new trendy oh vegetable all the time. And, and we need to be like, get the chia seeds and get the wood. I'm sure like all these things are great. Chia seeds are great, but like there's something new like daily. You get online and it's like, I found the secret and it only comes from this region <laughs> 3,000 miles away, yes. you know, and it, it does create this, it's like kind of that scarcity mentality or that like, we like to hunt for things, right? And we don't necessarily hunt anymore. Mm. So we like hunt on Instagram mm-hmm. for like the new thing um, yeah. that's going yeah. to solve all the problems. And it, but it's just not true. And we've had this conversation and I've had this conversation with multiple people and I don't mean to, I don't mean to cut you off with where you were going with that. So if you have more to add, no, that was, I want you to, that's what I'm saying. Like (laughs) the beauty of like, when I cook, I'm like, look, here we go. It's eggs again. It's spinach again. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I've hit on 15, 12 to 15, like ingredients, mostly eight, but like, yeah. <laughs> when I broaden out like, <laughs> uh-huh. and they rock, what could be better than an egg from my own chicken, you know, uh-huh. here in our, in our yard? Like, why am I 
self, like shaming my own meal for not being like interesting enough or exotic mm-hmm. enough or mm-hmm. diverse. Yeah. And... When I feel like so effing good now, since I've yeah. actually started eating this yeah. way. Well, and it's simple yeah. too. Like it, it also affords you more time in the day. Like you're yeah. not having to research a new recipe and think about it. And I think about our ancestors not only were they eating seasonally, and I don't mean to make it sound like I think we all need to like go back to horse and plow, like that'd be yeah, cool. Sure. But yeah. <laughs> you know, we can we can create Take our me with own you. Art yeah, no. new. Yeah. <laughs> we can create our own, you know, version of, of whatever uh, mixture of things we want now, mm-hmm. technology and old ways. But I think about how simple their diets were. It was local. Yeah. And I love the idea, and I don't necessarily have the science to prove it, but I would assume that the things that thrive in the environment that I live in have a lot of what I need to thrive in this environment. Oh, my gosh. Um, so Can you say you that know, again? <laughs> <laughs> the things that thrive in the environment I live in have what I need to thrive in this environment. So instead Mm. of sourcing vitamin C in a form that does not grow in the same region, there are versions of it here. Instead Mm -hmm. of buying tropical fruits that do not thrive in this environment, I don't live in an environment that is tropical. I'm going to eat sweet potatoes or, you know, not sweet potatoes or even something that's hard to grow here, but I'm going to eat cabbage and beets and carrots Mm -hmm. and fermented kraut like that is <laughs> that is a staple of my people like they were just like potatoes <laughs> yes, and kraut yes. and berries and mushrooms that they foraged and meat and those are the things that thrive in this environment as well and guess what i don't have stomach issues when i eat that way mm-hmm. my mm-hmm. body just runs well on that food i have not been sick this year i don't believe i recover very quickly like the evidence Kind of what you were talking about before we started um, the audio, we were talking a little bit about pregnancy and Mm -hmm. the ability to check in with ourselves and determine if something is amiss. We rely on outside inputs to tell us when there's something wrong, like we need to go to a doctor and the doctor has to tell us something's wrong because Mm -hmm. we don't know how to check in with ourselves. But if Mm -hmm. the evidence is there, you're sleeping well, you feel good, you have the energy, your skin looks good, your hair is growing well, which, you know, hormones play into that. But so often we forget that we are our own um, evidence. So, Mm. or we are the, I don't know, intuition. You said it perfectly. We are our our own evidence. I love what you said about like the same way that I would look at a sheep and try to assess, is is she healthy? I would assess, does the fleece (laughs) look lustrous? Are her hooves strong? Are her eyes Mm -hmm. bright? Like that's, we'll say Mm -hmm. like, are the eyes bright? You know, are the gums Mm -hmm. red? Yeah. What's the energy? What's their energy? Like you can tell when an animal is lackluster. If you've been observing Mm -hmm. them, you notice when they're in the corner and they're not doing well. Um, That's the same with us. I, um, this is re- re- reminding me of a, a Sarah Reese-ism. So my mom, I'm a bit of like her surprising. I love your mother. Like, you know, (laughs) like I sort of like, she's not, she's not feral like we are, but she has a lot of these like intuition instincts Mm -hmm. and just incredible self-knowing. And so she had a benign brain tumor. This would have been like 12, 15 years ago. They say she had it her whole life, which is one of those things that grows, grew slowly over time. I'll be, I'll just try to make this brief, but it's kind of an amazing story. So she was, she had lost her uh, glasses, needed to, and and was kind of due for like a new eye check to see if she needed a new prescription, ran into a Walmart. Uh, they had like an eye center there. Mm-hmm. She, there's a teenage guy running the eye test and he gives her her results and he's like, your eyes are a lot worse than the last time. You might have a tumor. <laughs> Whoa. She has, like, my mom does not take random feedback from people. Uh And she heard that and was like, hmm, okay, I might have a tumor. Goes to a doctor. They're like, yeah, you have a tumor. So they discover all this boom, boom, boom. It's in a horrible place. It's, like, on her optic nerve and her pituitary. So it's going to 
affect like all your hor- her hormones, potentially mm-hmm. her vision, potentially her personality. They oh do God. a couple attempts at surgery to get this thing out and they can't get it out that way. I believe they end out going in like through her nose with a robot arm. Um, her doctor is like this unbelievable, famous, amazing surgeon. Mm. And so she has very little side effects to this day. I mean, they didn't know how she would emerge from that surgery. And so anyway, the, one of the results was for a while, well, they told her, you're going to be on synthetic hormones your whole life. Um, mm. Your pituitary won't make it, it anymore. And so she was on a pretty intense regimen, you know, of giving herself these shots. And one of the side effects was she wasn't able to build muscle anymore. Um, I think there was a lot of fatigue. Like she was just really feeling the side effects. And so she was going for her checkups and she just kind of quietly decided to wean herself off of them. (laughs) These things which were supposed to, (laughs) which were supposed to need her entire goddamn life. Uh-huh. And in her mind, she's like, well, if my pituitary doesn't have to work, it won't ever work. And so I'm just mm-hmm. curious what will happen um, if I, and I'm getting some of the details muddied here, but um, she just basically started pushing herself of like, I'm, she would literally decrease her meds by like, she talks about scraping a pill, like taking that much less every day. Like it was wow. so, just so gentle wow. and just checking in with herself and Mm-hmm. So months go by. She doesn't tell her doctor she's doing this. She goes back in six or 12 months later and he's like, wow, you actually, your pituitary function's coming back. Like you're doing way better than you should be. What's going on? Um, and she said, well, I have to tell you, I've been weaning myself off, you know, whatever meds. And he goes, who told you to do that? And she goes, Dr. Reese. Me? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love that. I love that. Like, I know. Taking, taking responsibility and ownership of your own person. Mm-hmm. I I can't tell you the difference I feel in my own body from now to even like five, ten years ago. I mean, I mean, there's like been milestones where it's like a noticeable difference, but just within this last five ta- year time period of deciding that, like, I am my own home. I reside mm-hmm. here the outside inputs, they are never going to be as invested in my um, success and survival as I am. So I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn how to operate this really Mm -hmm. well, so that I enjoy my human experience as much as possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's up to me. Putting that in the hands of everybody outside of yourself is a very uncomfortable and uncontrollable feeling. Like you feel like somebody is going to make the wrong decision at any moment and your life is going to be ruined. That doesn't mm-hmm. feel good you, when you put your success in the hands of your spouse or your doctor or um, an Instagram influencer. Like somebody mm-hmm. else is going to tell me how to live well and right. And it isn't a matter of I don't take um, advice or, uh, suggestions or not, um, challenged by those Mm -hmm. outside of myself. It's just now I get to check in with myself and decide like what feels right. That sounds so Mm -hmm. bizarre to say. It just sounds so simplistic, but it really is kind of think about like, and you said you've had, you know, in the last five or 10 years, this is kind of a new superpower, this the ability mm, to self-know the way, way you do it. it. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree that five years ago, I could barely tell you whether I was tired or not. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I knew I was crashing that it was like that. Mm-hmm. I was either going hard, complete crash. I could not tell you when a crash was coming. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of awareness of my own. Like, am I agitated? Am I, um, mm-hmm. I certainly didn't know what food I wanted. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't know my health. Um, I would like, be on all these different birth controls and yeah. I would be, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. You know, <laughs> I, I must, um, you know, be doing something that's making. Yeah. Well, and you feel like you almost feel like an, uh, unpredict, like a werewolf or an unpredictable animal, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're like, you're like, I'm not in control of what's happening. So, um, I can't make it stop either. Like I can't, yeah, I was it. completely, it, we were talking about this. I'll, I'm totally happy to share this. Like, so I went to a 
uh, OB checkup yesterday. And they're like, well, we want to draw your blood next time you come in, make sure you're not anemic. And I'm like, well, I mean, first of all, I don't care about having my blood drawn. Like I have no actual objection to this. It's just like annoying. And our insurance has a high deductible, so it's expensive. I prefer to not to have my blood taken out. And also you want it to be for a reason, you know? Yeah. My time is valuable. And that means like, it means I want to scroll on Instagram rather than having my blood drawn. I I would rather do that. Like I just, Uh yeah, no one gets to waste my time without my consent. So (laughs) only I get to do that. Only I get to do that. Exactly. So I said, well, when my blood was drawn, whatever, six weeks ago, four, four, six weeks ago, were there any signs of anemia then? And they said, well, no. And I said, well, doesn't one get symptoms of anemia <laughs> like <laughs> when they're anemia. wouldn't I te- be able to tell <laughs> when I, like, especially if it was that severe of a change in such a short amount of time yeah and then they're looking at me like uh well you know and I'm sure it's, it's very true and I'm I'm not blaming midwives for feeling this way of like well lots of people can't tell and I couldn't have told five years ago, whether I suddenly was feeling more exhausted, whether my, I had a sudden ravenous need to chew ice, like I, <laughs> I, I would not have been mm-hmm. aware of those things. And now yeah. it is, it is almost offensive to me that somebody would say, well, we have to draw your blood because we don't trust you mm. to know yes. whether you're showing any symptoms of anemia. Ugh. I, so yeah. <laughs> I had, you know, my last, my last pregnancy, I had a similar, well, I had a situation in which, um, I started noticing some symptoms at the end of my pregnancy. And, um, because I was on state insurance and I wanted to have a midwife, I couldn't go in and probably like 37 weeks or some crazy, you know, like 32 or 37. I don't remember till the very end of it. And I'd been pregnant before I trusted myself that I, I would know if something was amiss. I knew my body was strong. So I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do this myself. But I started noticing some symptoms. My skin started to itch. I was having a hard time mm. sleeping at night. And I was like, there's something wrong. And I, I knew immediately that it was my liver. I knew immediately oh something was going gosh. on in my liver. And I went into my mid, my midwife and explained the symptoms. She's like, well, I want to run all these tests. And I was like, do you mind if I make a suggestion? I said, I think it's my liver. And I looked up some options and this is what matches. I think I have cholestasis of my liver, which is where the bile basically backs up and it won't, your, your, your liver no longer like filters it. And this happens in pregnancies sometimes, mm-hmm. especially towards the end of the pregnancy. And so I don't remember what test she ran or like what the process was, but she basically, she basically agreed and she was like, you're right. That's what you oh have. Oh, my gosh. Um, and she's like, your options are pretty limited. Like, I can give you this medication that, like, basically is, like, psoriasis for psoriasis patients. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. And I was like, what is the what is the risk if I don't do anything? And she was mm-hmm. like, well, you're just probably not going to sleep well, but it'll go away as soon as you have the baby. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm riding it out. And that was, again, another one of those situations where learning to trust and check in with yourself and then to be given the evidence that like, yes, you're Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. It's so empowering. And in your case, knowing yourself and knowing like, no, there's nothing wrong with me. I feel fine. I don't need that test. I think that while that can be scary for some people, I think there's a lot of empowerment that comes from it. Like I can feel people being like triggered by that and being like, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? to which I say, but like, guess what? then I'll Life make a different insane. decision. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, let's, let's talk about that in a second. Yeah. But like, <laughs> first of all, I, when new data arises, I will make a new decision. Like I'm yeah. not, I'm you're not, getting, because you're this not... goes back to mm-hmm. ego. Like I'm not mm-hmm. refusing a blood test because I'm having an ego trip. Although like that's possible for me. That's on the, that's on the menu of like things I could do. And so it's on me like, to like really discern, you know, yes. <laughs> you and yeah, I both I have, have like a little bit of a, so once I'm good with that, like if I, if I felt even a little tired, even a little different, mm-hmm. I would happily get a blood test. Cause it's cool to, for me to know, gosh, give me more info about my blood. Like mm-hmm. happy to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's so much freedom in like giving yourself permission again, not to be stuck. So if you make a decision Uh about something, that does not mean that you have to adhere to that decision. And you see a lot of that on social media where somebody will do something and then it becomes what people will rail against or like, well, you said you're a blah, 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 or you said you weren't going to, and now you are. And Mm -hmm. it's like, why do we feel like we need to be, not only do we need to be stuck, but why do we need to like force other people to stay in this little box? That's so ridiculous because life is a process of learning and growing and deaths and births. How beautiful would it be if we all like held people with an open hand and ourselves Mm -hmm. with an open hand and allowed ourselves to change when we needed to change? I mean, that's evolutionary. Adaptation is what allows us to survive. So Mm -hmm. that applies to the decisions we make. You and I have talked too about, I think we're both kind of sharers online. We're kind of influencer types. (laughs) But like... (laughs) (laughs) We just like stories, you know? Exactly. That's what I like to say. I love getting the story out of my life. Mm -hmm. And so we get a lot of feedback and that Mm -hmm. a lot of times people are surprised. Like they have me in one box and then I step out of it and they're like I'm really surprised that you would do that like so for example we t- I talk so much about like holistic stuff and blah 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 and regenerative and then I'm also like can't wait to get Botox when this baby's out of my body like enjoying some <laughs> mac and cheese yep <laughs> <laughs> and they're like don't do it I it's uh-huh. not it's a toxin I'm like yeah it's a it's a botulism toxin I know exactly mm-hmm. what it is and like mm-hmm. I am gonna make a calculated risk over here and maybe not over here and mm-hmm. um yeah, mm-hmm. like don't fence me in kind of thing. And I I, I feel that with you too. But you are mm-hmm. living in, in these really great ways that are, and you're also not like imprisoned by it. You're not like holding yourself hostage to an ideology. Mm-hmm. Does that feel, does that feel true? Yes, yes. And in some ways, like that's even a rebellion in itself for me because mm-hmm. there were multiple versions of my life where I wanted to fit into an ideology, into a tribe that, you know, I was like, if I dress this way and do these things, then I have a identity, I have a role, I have people that are just kind of built into that. And I shifted through many versions of that over time. And again, like when life sort of imploded for me, I was already on a path towards sort of like shedding that way of thinking. But that really did it for me where I was like, I am literally identityless in my own mind right now. And I get to be whatever I want. What if I create my own thing? And I realized too, like mm-hmm. with um, the people that I admire and aspire to, I realized like they became who they were because they followed their own inner truth and knowing, mm-hmm. not because they were following one individual and wanted to embody that one individual. And I realized mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be my own hero. That's, mm-hmm. that's the I story I that. want <laughs> is I want to get to the end of this life and go that I want to be myself. Like I would be myself again. Yeah. And that's, Yes. Uh, that's so oh. freeing because then you don't you don't box yourself in based on what you're I- idolizing. Mm-hmm. You are following a you're following intuition. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. I wanted to share this with you. Just that recently, every decision I come to, I ask myself, am I running away from something or am I running towards something? And usually when you run away from something, it's this negative, it's a negative power. Like you're like, I just don't want to be that thing. I don't want to do it that way. I don't want to, you know, um, be participate in this. And when we do that, I feel like the outcome always has, it's always tainted a little bit by what we don't want. And so for me, in food, in choices, in the way that I build my life, in the way that I am... Um, growing as a person, I continue to ask myself, what am I running towards? What do, what do I want? So instead of like focusing on, like, I don't feel well, I don't want to feel like that anymore. So that's why I'm going to choose this thing. Instead, it's like, well, what do I want to feel like? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to feel strong. So I'm going to make a choice. The choice is going to be towards wanting to feel strong versus I don't want to feel weak. weak. 
And so that has come back to um, my own. I don't even know where this train started. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Okay. Like, I feel like so much of my choices in my early 20s were mm-hmm. trying to not feel weak yes. and running away from. And yes. it was like short term effective. And I yep. do sometimes oh, tell yeah. people, like, if all you know is what you don't want, I mean, start there. Like, you're getting sure. clues. Mm-hmm. But what ha- happened was I, it's like a front, you know, you kind of armor up. And I had, yes, there's I wasn't actually, it was, a, yeah, it was like a bit of like a, a prison of my own design where I kind mm-hmm. of was so afraid of, of failing, so afraid of feeling any shame or embarrassment, very mm-hmm. like concerned with my image and how I appeared. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I realized, yeah, like having to make the shift to, I want to strong. Sure. But like, for me, maybe it was more like resilience or mm-hmm. healing, um, mm-hmm. rather than just nobody words. can hurt me ever again. Yeah. Um, cause that was where I had been before. Thank you for joining me today on Choose Wisely. I hope your next meal is delicious and your next conversation nuanced. Cheers! Choose Wisely is produced by me and edited by Lauren DeLuca. Rate and review us on your podcast app. It takes five seconds and we really appreciate it so much. And you can find us on Instagram at Choose Wisely Podcast. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash choosewiselypodcast or shoot us an email at choosewiselypodcast at gmail.com.